Dan Young, welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I'm your host, Darren. Today, I'm joined by two guests as we talk about Season 4, Episode 15, Blockheads, the end of Season 4, broadcast on the 26th of May, 2013. This is all about George Michael, but in the title credits, everybody's instruments are um, used. So each each time they appear, you hear their instruments. Written by Mitch Hurwitz and Jim Vallali, directed by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Mirror. It was the 13th out of 15 episodes produced. The episode itself is 31 minutes and seven seconds up to the song boomerang which starts playing and then after that we cut back to on the next and then we we see a couple of things and then the, the episode finishes out at 33 28 so about 12 minutes longer than a network sitcom uh, joining me to talk about this first of all we have eric harza hello eric hi there darren and we also have returning guest andrew schwartz hello andrew hey what up um, now the summary for this as it appears on the dvd menu is George Michael tries to reconnect with his father, but he's finding himself overwhelmed by the responsibility of running his business. Again, that doesn't really seem to get to the the crux of what this episode is about, because I would say this episode is about the love triangle uh-huh. that has formed, that, that neither point in the triangle seems to know exists, mm. <laughs> aside from Rebel, who very clearly knows that she's going out with both George Maharis and uh, Michael Bluth. Of course, she doesn't realise who George Maharis is, so even she is being deceived a little bit in terms of this uh, this whole love triangle thing. And this episode helps kind of round off a couple of loose ends from the previous uh, George Michael episode. Because in that, George Michael began the episode living in Sudden Valley and being surrounded by a number of people who wanted to tickle him <laughs> and do various other things. Play Twister with him repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the Twister joke in this episode. The fact that like everybody keeps giving him Twister is just such a, a great kind of like a running joke in the mm-hmm. episode. Um, uh, particularly when his father turns up at the end and he keeps going, return that, return that. <laughs> just like not telling him directly what's going on, but just kind of saying, you probably want to lock your doors. <laughs> and, you know, you probably like all those kind of things, I think is quite funny. We find out how we get to that party, uh, which is, you know, George Michael ends up getting kicked out of the dorm and he buys a house from Job. Um, and and that's how he ends up with his party, um, you know, where Rebel turns up and and says they've got to talk. And I like that all the sex offenders that are surrounding him are kind of like, ooh, when she says that, (laughs) just as they kind of maintain their distance from her. And then, you know, there's an amusing incident with her son, uh, whose name is Lem Depardieu. (laughs) So so there's like a very kind of uh, obvious uh, joke there. But I, I mean, I still like it. I still like the idea that Rebel Alley has a, has a child with Gerard Depardieu. I mean... And she has him during French pilot season or something, she said. Yeah, she... Yeah, he's... This kid only lives with her for two months out of the year while French pilot season is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, a wonderful kind of like inside joke again about, uh, you know, uh, the TV industry. Yeah. But yeah, and we start the episode with the conclusion of the, the as the narrator calls it, the, the lie tag that goes on um, with between George Michael and Michael Bluth as they both pretend to be stuck in traffic and they both kind of keep giving, you know, bigger and bigger lies about the the situation that they're in and how they can't take pictures and how they're not allowed to have footage and you know they <laughs> kind of end up they kind of end up kind of escalating that um, George Michael returns to Rebel and they end up in a photo booth uh, and we saw at the end of George Michael's previous episode both of their fathers standing outside the photo booth uh, with Ron Howard desperately trying to get away from Michael Bluth, mm-hmm. uh, not wanting to stand around talking about his kid. Yeah, it's funny to me in this episode that. Uh... 
George Michael just keeps lying and lying and lying. And I, I think he kind of wants to tell the truth at a lot of points, but he doesn't actually do it. He has a lot of times in the episode where he stops and takes uh, like 24 seconds to to count down uh, to, to see if he's going to tell the truth. And he, he never does. So, like, I think the, the Bluth side of him is really overcoming and... He, he might yeah. he might internally feel he should tell the truth, but he never actually does. I mean, the one thing that he kind of tells the truth over is fake block, but not to anyone that it counts to, but with yeah. P-Hound, where he says that, you know, um, P-Hound... P-Hound says that he'd stolen his software, but obviously, you know, George Maharis, at this point, founder of fake block, is the one who actually put most of the money in. He put the 5,000 pounds in. <laughs> So, like, essentially, you know, the idea that they both came up with, you know, he's contributed more. But obviously, you know, something that we saw at the end of the previous episode with the uh, on the next uh, P-Hound, obviously, is trying to claim that they, they're equal partners because he put in three dollars. Three times. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And 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 George uh, George Michael only put in five thousand. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I kind of I love the scene with all the twins as well because earlier in the season we had the vote where you know Michael was voted out of the dorm, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously you know in a a you know a, a kind of a situation where basically once the vote is cast he had to leave, um, and both you know both um, showing how they are very alike. George Michael also doesn't pack anything in his suitcase yeah. in the same uh-huh. way that Michael, you know, took an empty suitcase with him. And so, of course, you know, I like the voting situation because you have the twins. Every twin yeah. wants to show that they're individuals and not <laughs> the same as their twin. And I just I just love how they all get, like, rather than having full votes, they all get half votes. But every single half time vote, it ties yeah. it up. And then, two, you know, two more twins come in and then they tie it up and then two more twins come in. And the, the whole thing builds to the point where you have basically a dorm full of just like six or seven pairs of twins. <laughs> all of whom are voting the same, each voting differently. So they're all one of them voting for mm-hmm. P. Hound, one of them voting for George Michael. No, no one could basically break the tie. And of course, it's only when George Michael suggests that they bring someone in who isn't a twin <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. that things kind of they get they get offended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we have the the Lucas brothers, who obviously I think after this found fame with like uh, the animated series that they had, and the you know there were a couple of other shows that they've done since then, and they are the ones <laughs> who basically. You know, they they feel that uh, George Michael is kind of um, is is being twinist against them, and uh, and so that's that's when the vote gets broken, and you know they they kind of uh, they all then decide to vote out George Michael, um, and of course he he leaves in the same way that Michael did. I also like the Lucas brothers are also in Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah, I've seen them around in a lot of places, so they. They must have gotten good work off, off of this. Previous to this, uh, George Michael had been to the Gothic castle with his uncle, which we saw in Job's episode. Um, and we get like a second flashback to that here, um, where we see the incidents of the Gothic castle, which in which finishes with, you know, an uncle kissing his nephew to pretend that it's his gay <laughs> boyfriend. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I kind of like... That you know, um, when when um, when Job turns up, uh, the narrator says that you know a- after the vote he ran into his bleeping uncle, and you see you see <laughs> yes. you see Job like almost run um, George Michael down, and then he gets out and he literally swears and is bleeped just as he gets out, as the narrator says he's bleeping yeah. uncle. Well, I thought it said beeping uncle, and he was beeping his horn. Well, yeah, and 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 he swears as well, and also gets beeped. Yeah. So yeah, there's a whole there's a few layers there of that one. It's like three yeah. layers of Job <laughs> yeah. there. 
And then, of course, this is where <laughs> he says he's just turned up because he, he knows how much his uh, his nephew enjoys uh, bologna. And he <laughs> tries to force him to eat yeah. a, uh, forget me now, wrapped in bologna. Um, uh, which, you know, of course, he wants, for some reason, he wants George Michael to forget the previous night. But he doesn't want to forget himself. I would have thought Job would have used the forget me now on himself, but... Um, so Job Job doesn't... just has no idea what the forget me now does, right? Because <laughs> basically all all it makes you forget is that you used it. So by him yeah. giving George Michael the forget me now, all he would really forget is that Job came and stuffed that into his face. <laughs> yeah, like the time the time scale that it works for is mm-hmm. short enough that you forget that you've used it, um, yeah. but not long enough to forget what you wanted to forget. Yeah, um, and this is something obviously that that Job never realizes because every single time he takes a forget me now, he forgets that he's done that. Yeah, um, which is something that we kind of see, um, you in know, his episode. Uh, yeah. yeah, where where <laughs> where Job and and uh, Michael both end up kind of repeating themselves because they don't realize that they've been roofied. Um, yes. You know, and which of course we've seen in um, in Job's episode where he, he he gives Michael the forget me now, and he says, "Stupid, forgetful Michael." <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the forget me now part stuff is some of the best jokes, just as pure jokes in this season. I mean, I, I, the thing is though, the fact that they've called it a forget me now. Yeah. Um, like instead of referring to it as what it is, even though of course we had the episode in season three when um, Tobias made it clear that you know what Job is doing is not good. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they still kind of keep doing it, and obviously in that one Job episode, you did have like the the kind of the the roofy circle where he just kind of got stuck mm-hmm. for days and days and days taking the forget me now yeah. and not realizing so it, what was going on. Is the function of the drug that you take it before you do something regrettable or? Something like that, and then when you wake up, you f- forget you've done it. Or what is no, the actual purpose for? I it? mean, it's you know, it's an essential part of a magician's toolkit. You know, if <laughs> oh, oh. if you if you, if you accidentally that, yeah. reveal the secret to an audience member, then you simply I give see, them a forget I me see. now, and they yeah, forget yeah. how it was done. You know, so the perfect crime. There's nothing sinister about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I like as well how. Um, when Job kind of gets angry and he's like, everything these days, you know, is take a pill. You know, you need to forget about your problems. Take a pill. You need to get a boner. Take a pill. You need to forget about your problem. Take a pill. <laughs> take and, yeah, he just keeps saying it. That's so great. And I, I like that he keeps he keeps alternating with something else, and then you need to forget about your problems. Take a pill. Mm. And like, <laughs> and then he goes, "What a time we live in." <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I just, I kind of love how completely. Like Job doesn't understand exactly what he's doing with this, um, you know. And this, I mean, that's kind of like the last we see of Job in this episode until later on. And you know, this is where we get kind of the big set piece of George Michael buying a house. And as he drives down the road, everyone who lives in the neighborhood is panicked because mm-hmm. obviously Michael Sarah is quite young looking. And like as he's driving down the road, you know, after buying a house off of. Um, you know, Job in Southern Valley. Um, <laughs> the Carlos says, "Oh, hello, young man." And then, of course, Michael's like George. Michael's like, "Hello." And then he's like, "How young are you?" And George Michael's <laughs> just like, "I'm doing good. How are you?" And he's like, "No, no. How young are you?" <laughs> and, and I like the kind of the urgency of him saying it. And mm-hmm. you know, the narrator saying that uh, you know everyone you know was uh, you know in Southern Valley. They they felt very good uh, seeing a, a young looking man who drove down their street who was over 21, 
so they wouldn't have to search for a home that was more remote. Um, and Carlos kind of yells out, you look 16. And he goes, but he's 22. He's 22, but he looks 16. And they're like, there's a a really kind of subtle background joke in this episode, uh, which is everything being backwards. And at first, like the the model home that George Michael leaves in, moves into is a mirror of the normal model home that we saw for many, many years. So the kitchen is on the wrong side. The, you know, the the fridge is in the opposite side where you normally expect the ovens in the different place. You know, the, the living room is on the wrong, the opposite side to where, you know, the entrance is. So everything's kind of flipped. And there's a point where George Michael says a couple of things where he says, you know, it should be the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of those one of those times is where he's sitting next to the piano. Everyone's come in and gave him clothes. And of course, Terry says, we said no clothes, Carlos. And he goes, hat is not clothes. Um, <laughs> and so, and it, like, what, what does the hat just, say? The hat says something like, I love vanilla ice cream or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and as George Michael is opening all these presents, um, he, he leans on a piano and he's at the bottom uh-huh. of He's at the bottom of the piano, but it makes like a, a high pitched noise. So it's as if it's the wrong way around. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and he actually says that as he leans on the piano, he says, I feel like it should be the other way around, you know, with all these people <laughs> uh, I see, I see. bringing his gifts. Um, my, my favorite little joke that's, I think, borrowed from one of the first episodes of the season is when uh, Job says, Ninja, please, which... Uh, I think Tobias yeah. had said uh, when they were <laughs> yes. talking about the ninja loan. Yeah, he that that comes from one of the Tobias episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know where they'd kind of where they took yeah where he did say ninja please in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, you know we there's a there's a joke early on in this episode where the you know we they we find out that George Michael is now playing with the big boys, obviously with the the other people in the the street. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> They, they kind of do a similar thing, you know, because George Michael, you know, in that he was playing basketball. And here they play football, but it's uh, skins skins versus skins. Yeah, and they suggest um, to do tops and bottoms. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, where, you know, they they have like, uh, you know, everybody kind of tackles George Michael and like kind of jumps on him. He's like, and... the play is dead, the play is dead. Well, well they're all trying to get on top of him. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, the funny thing is, obviously, you know, in the past, uh, Arrested Development kind of skirted the line with a lot of incest storylines. And so mm-hmm. I like here how they've upped the ante and they've decided to go with sexual predator storylines is mm-hmm. the is like the next barrier that they want to break. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously we kind of we end up back at the start of, um, you know, the previous George Michael episode mm-hmm. where we see this party. Uh, you know, with uh, <laughs> I like as well how Carlos is like tickling him, and Rebel Laddie kind of walks up, and he goes, "No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine." He was just tickling me in there as he comes <laughs> out of the bouncy castle. Um, yeah, we we better understand why that is the way it is in that yeah. previous episode. Yeah, so we finally find yeah, you because know, in the previous episode we didn't know why he was in the model home, we didn't know why mm-hmm. you know he's having this party. Uh, turns out he's having the party to impress Rebel. Um, now previously they had hooked up when he was still in the dorm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we see the other side of a flashback to, um, I think it was in Michael's episode and in Lindsay's episode, where we have the dinner with Michael Rebel, Lindsay and Herbert Love. And, you know, first Michael takes a phone call, which is, um, you know, uh, it's his son calling him. And then when Michael, you know, decides not to kind of call off this date so that he can, you know, uh, go help George Michael, George Michael then calls Rebel and she leaves the dinner 
and then that makes Michael call George Michael and saying that his evening has freed up. So there's this weird mm-hmm. thing where between the three of them, they keep calling each other and then changing like their availability until eventually uh, Rebel ends up going to the door. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, then, then this is where the narrator says, George Michael finally got over <laughs> maybe that night. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know, I th- I mean, it's kind of like well, good for him in a way. Even though he is lying to her like literally nonstop throughout this episode, mm-hmm. uh, starting with his name and continuing with everything after that point. Yeah, obviously Isla Fisher, you know, super charming as uh, as Rebel Ali, um, you know, and I I think it's funny because the episode jumps forward a little bit, so we see this part of their relationship. And then when we go forward, we're obviously, you know, I think a, a few weeks after. And obviously we see that Rebel is becoming distant because in the in between she started going out with Michael. Um, mm-hmm. And and so that we kind of understand why she's uh, kind of not willing to get into a, relation, a serious relationship with George Michael at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get to the kind of, you know, the part of Maybe's episode, which was my favorite part, which is when they get to the hangar. We see we see Maybe's office, which is just a desk with one chair. <laughs> and I like yeah. how George Michael suggests maybe we want to get a second chair. And and that's like the entire of his contribution to like the ideas of what what is this you know this fake block HQ is just like let's get a second chair just in case visitors come round. <laughs> so um, what what is anyone doing here? Are they all just kind of like futzing around and doing nothing? Or they're looking important? That's what they have to do. There's nothing to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's all about keeping up appearances. Think, yeah, they are I think all it, like Hollywood people, as far as I saw. So well, it's kind of Mort like and maybe and a bunch of other. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of like a very specific commentary on like um, you know Silicon Valley startups. Mm-hmm. They'll hire a bunch of people before they actually know what their product is going to do, and mm-hmm. so we're basically stuck in this position of like tons of people who you know they, they've been all the, you know all the money that that you know maybe managed to raise, uh, which we saw in her episode. She's now spending it on this gigantic hangar, uh, which of course mm-hmm. she she boasts will fit four hundred nerds. <laughs> Uh, which I, I love as that as a measurement of, of how many people will be in there. And obviously we just get a, a short cameo here from uh, George Garland as an out of breath uh, Mort Myers who is trying to get from one side of the hangar to the other. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, what are they doing is a very good question because obviously, you know, the F- fake block doesn't exist as anything. Um, mm. But but you know they they're having you know they've obviously got the hangar and maybe has um, already announced a launch uh, which we'll see later on in the episode and um, <laughs> so obviously in in the previous um, George Michael episode we saw George Michael go to P Hound and explain the concept of Fake Block and then ask him if we can do that <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he, and then they and then when P Hound says no we can't no. do that yeah. he goes yeah but you know what if we could do that, like, you know, by Cinco de Mayo? <laughs> like, and and I, I just like how, you know, obviously his mo- George Michael's motivations for doing Fate Block are solely driven by the fact that Rebel Alley, you know, was impressed by the fact that he was this kind of, um, you know, Silicon Valley billionaire. And so mm-hmm. he's he's literally, as with maybe, his entire, you know, motives are being driven by lust. And then obviously yeah. after he's had sex with Rebel, there you know there's no reason for him to tell the truth at that point because now he realizes that if he wants to keep Rebel, he's going to have to keep lying, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so I you know I I I I think it's funny as well that you know maybe has signed to be in the um, you know to be in the film, and we get oh, a flashback to that, and um, and then obviously 
we see that maybe <laughs> sends Michael off um, to basically cause trouble with Rebel Ellie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And because she does that, once Michael realizes what's <laughs> happened, we see a very brief scene where Michael just literally calls maybe and just goes, you're out of the picture. And then just rips <laughs> up the contract. And, and that's like, that's like a, a, a wonderful running joke that they've had throughout this, this season of Michael getting everyone's signatures and then immediately ripping up the papers to the point yeah. where the only person who's left in the movie is himself Buster. and Buster. Yeah. Which yeah. obviously is very important for the, on the next in this particular episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that's the only and he, obviously he never manages to get the signature of George Michael to be in the movie either mm, um, mm. because George Michael hates his name which is something that he he finally says in this episode to his father that he hates the name George Michael mm. but yeah and you know uh, I think like the obviously you know a love triangle is kind of a you know an easy thing to fall into in terms of like plot uh, you know it kind of gives you instant conflict and stuff like that um, and I like how earlier in the season we had a scene with uh, Michael and Job, and they were both talking about Judy Bowen, and okay. you know, asking, "Are you dating Judy Bowen?" And he's like, "No, but are you dating Judy <laughs> Bowen?" And they kept mm-hmm. going on, and and it was a really weird scene where the, the like obviously we know that neither of them are going out with Judy Bowen, and she's yeah. not going to be on this show. But I just like that as like a, a fake love triangle that the show set up, um, because obviously we know that. The, you know, the famous person that, um, you know, Job is dating is definitely not the famous person that Michael mm-hmm. is dating. Um, you know. Well, it's also a really good story engine for like a conflict between George Michael and Michael uh, to, to kind of put them at odds with the, with one another. And I'm interested yeah. to see how the, the next season resolves that in some way. And I like as well how the narrator tells us that obviously, you know, um, cheating on um, someone with, you know... Uh, their girlfriend is a very <laughs> Bluth brothers move to pull because obviously oh, that is something, yeah. something that Job has done on a number of occasions to Michael. <laughs> and so the fact yeah. that that uh, George Michael is now doing this to his father when he's when when Michael says I used to think of us as, as brothers and the narrator says well this is a very Bluth brothers thing to do. <laughs> I always thought of my son as my brother. (laughs) Yeah. And so this is the one way in which that is true. Um, Mm -hmm. I also like as well how, you know, Michael says that he thought they were, you know, like twins. And when they both get off the phone, we see a split screen and they both are in the exact same pose. And then they both look down at their phones in the same way and then look Mm -hmm. back up. And they are basically like twins in that particular moment. Uh, You know, so there's some nice little bits like that. Um, and then we get a weird little diversion. Argyle has been threatening Michael because Michael owes him seven hundred thousand dollars, and yeah. uh, we there is a, a threatening note that is left on the day of Cinco uh, that Michael finds that says that he better bring seven hundred thousand of his friends to Cinco, uh, and it's signed. <laughs> it's signed by Argyle, and obviously this mm-hmm. is where you know Michael decides that he's going to have sex with Lucille too as a way of getting her to forgive the debt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that does not go well because we get this wonderful scene where Liza Minnelli keeps slapping Jason Bateman. Like every single line he says, she just slaps him. <laughs> and he tries not to say a certain thing. And then he kind of has to say it because she asks, you know, what are you talking about? And then she mm-hmm. slaps him for saying it again. And, you know, 
I mean, it's just a wonderful scene. I mean, I love Liza Minnelli in this. She's the greatest. And I can't wait to see her in the next season. Uh... <laughs> she, she might. I mean, there, I mean, there might be an issue with that. <laughs> they could do flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. They, they did a bunch of flashbacks in this season. Yeah, I'm sure the murder itself will be <laughs> in some way shown. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean. Essentially, obviously, Cinco. That is what we're building up to. You know, is is the the mm-hmm. kind of the the uh, Lucille too. We already know from you know uh, seeing the on the next for George Michael that he won't be accused of anything. Um, because mm-hmm. he's in a lawsuit against uh, Peahound about the ownership of Fate Block, <laughs> um, and and Barry mm-hmm. wants him to put in a good word so that he can get onto the Lucille Two case, um, you know, uh, before suggesting that he take to the sea. It's interesting because I I didn't remember I, I remember the season ending at the the end of the uh, Cinco day and not where the episode actually ends. So like, I I just remember that big cliffhanger of who murdered Lucille Two. Yeah. And not kind of the more personal conflict between George and George Michael. Or Michael and George Michael. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's interesting because, of course, um, you know, I, I mean, George Michael runs into Job and he asks him about whether or not he should tell the truth. And, of course, Job zones out and just hears the sound of silence one last time in the season. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is... Well, and, and then the Mongolian guy. It's Here's such a too. great running <laughs> yeah. gag. It's probably my, one of my favorites the show has ever done. Yeah. Job explains to his father that there's a, a beef with the Mongolians um, and how they don't want to mm-hmm. get involved in any, any Mongolian beef. But I like I like how mm-hmm. Job is culturally sensitive at this point because he, he basically, yeah. when he talks about how he hired the Chinese to put up the wall, because, you know, they're great at building walls. We then find out that actually it's not the Chinese. They're actually Mongols. And so it's the Mongolians Mm -hmm. that are building the wall. And he kind of explains, it's like, it's, it's really odd that this is the kind of thing that Job would be kind of very specific about. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting joke that that's what they do is they're like, Oh, it's about the Mongolians. And then of course they are the ones who, when they find out they've got no money from George Sr., they are the ones who start yeah. the blowback of uh, Cinco de Cuatro, which apparently happens every year mm. anyway. So you don't really you don't <laughs> really notice who has started it. And of course, this is as the the build mm-hmm. that wall chants come up, um, and George Maharis goes to make a keynote speech and finds a uh, a note on the microphone stand that has been left by someone who is calling themselves anonymous, uh, which of course he interprets as Rebel Alley, leaving him an anonymous note. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's not being left by Rebel, but it does say that he's going to get screwed. Um, so so yeah. he sees that as a good thing, and he decides to to go through with having um, <laughs> Fate Block, um, you know, be, you know, kind of be real. Mm. But I do like the fact that the note says, you're about to get screwed like you've never been screwed before. And I like how he's <laughs> he's like... I mean, I like that that's the... Motiv- like, his motivation is always the fact that he wants to have sex with Rebel Alley. That's the only thing that drives mm-hmm. Fate Block. Um, and, of course, he says, let's put up this wall, just as the put up this wall chant has been started by Lindsay. Um, and then, of course, mm-hmm. the narrator reveals it's actually the hacker group Anonymous that have left the message. And, obviously, Michael does this weird thing where he goes to Rebel Alley and he um, he acts he acts the way that George Michael did, which is he acts aloof. And says that he's not interested mm. in a more serious relationship, and he doesn't want to be with her. And that just, and yeah. that of course is the she just likes yeah, that more. She, that's the thing that draws that draws her to him. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I like that after you know the best sex that Michael has ever had, um, he's trying to get a photo of himself and Rebel, um, but he, he he kind of deflects it by saying he's trying to get a signal. 
Um, and he can't get proof that they're together. Uh, something obviously that other people have questioned throughout the, the series. And so he steals a picture. Um, and then we get this wonderful moment as he leaves the apartment building and, and someone walks past and he sings this weird song where he says, I just stole this young fair miss from a big shot, George Mahar. <laughs> and then he kind of... <laughs> so he was going to make that rhyme with George Maharis, but which I kind of like. I like the fact that he's so kind of uh, ecstatic after this sexual encounter that he's now rhyming. Um, but of course mm-hmm. he realises that Rebel and George Michael... Uh, are the are the two people who are together, and this is of course where he decides to cut maybe out of the movie upon finding this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I I mean I I kind of I <laughs> I love that kind of um, this kind of inconsequential thing at the start of the episode of them being in the photo booth pays off here uh, with the revelation that yeah, Michael gets. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a clever a while clever use of setup. Michael and uh, Ron Howard are talking. <laughs> yeah. It's, outside it's a the, clever it's a kind of clever booth. use of uh, you know Chekhov's photo booth yes and then we get towards the end of the episode and finally we actually get to Cinco de Mayo <laughs> um, mm-hmm. for, the, for the first time in this show we actually get to the day after the made up holiday Cinco de Cuatro um, and we, we see Cinco mm-hmm. de Mayo and we've already seen the other half of this phone call where Michael after realising who Rebel is going out with has called Rebel. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, Michael talks about, you know, how he doesn't care about the, you know, the other guy. And, you know, then, you know, she hangs up and we see who's sitting next to her in bed, which was revealed in, um, you know, an earlier episode. But now we see George Michael's conversation. And... Yeah, on the other end. You know, yeah. he talks about how he doesn't care that she's seen someone else. He just wants to try and make it work with her. And, you know, he says, I'm a grown-up man and I want to get serious. Um and, you know, obviously Rebel Alley is, uh, in the narrator, her father says, the girl who was never capable of making a commitment suddenly found herself making too many. <laughs> too many, yeah. And I like how the narrator as well kind of builds up the this kind of idea of a possible plot twist and then kind of undercuts it where he says, George Michael felt good. And for that day, at least, he wouldn't have to encounter his father in Rebel's bedroom. <laughs> I've got I've got a little bit of a question about the narrator here. Is the narrator here not Ron Howard, even though it is Ron Howard? Or The narrator is Ron... Because they include Ron Howard so much in the show in this season. I have to wonder about who the narrator is. The narrator is definitely Ron Howard, because obviously Rebel Alley earlier talks about... When she goes to do a PSA... Um, not the PSA, sorry. When she's in the dorm... Rebel Alley says this is like uh-huh. having sex with the Wright brothers in their bicycle shop. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's it's nice that she knew that, yeah. Yeah, and he goes, hey, how about the fact that she knew they had a bicycle shop? <laughs> so uh, yeah. so it, he is kind of like praising his daughter through the narration, uh, okay, but also saying, okay. I think she just means one of the Wright brothers, not both of them. So he's yeah. also kind of like chastising her a little bit. But can't Ron um, Howard okay. be so, God yeah. too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is somehow omniscient Ron Howard who can see all and he's like laughing about it. He's like having a nice little joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think there's a there's a few times throughout the season where there's stuff to do with Rebel Alley where Ron Howard becomes Ron Howard rather than just being the narrator. You know, particularly when he talks about like the relationships that she's having, and he's and he's like, oh no, her father wouldn't approve of that and stuff like that. Like he has these little comments and asides. Mm-hmm. Where you where it's made clear that the narrator is definitely Ron Howard, but also Ron Howard is a character within the show that's completely separate. 
Yeah, I'm like trying to look at this from like a meta angle of like, is this somehow Ron Howard running through footage or something to make the movie or to make whatever? <laughs> I mean, it could be that. Obviously, there's a suggestion in the on the next that kind of would get, would kind of support that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I I like as well how you know we then get to the final scene, and you know this is this is where you know George Michael after after the you know the narrator has said that, um, he then goes he'd run into him leaving the building. George Michael runs into Michael. Ostensibly, this is the final scene of this season uh, where George Michael, you know, talks about how he's visited his girlfriend and Michael says he's on a visit. Uh, He Mm -hmm. says, I'm visiting. (laughs) Um, And then Michael, you know, says, oh, so you're going to work it out with your girlfriend. Good for you. That's great news. And then, of course... Michael, for some reason, he has a cactus that he's brought for Rebel. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Michael says, I'm dating Rebel Alley. And he goes, so there mm-hmm. better be two Rebels in here. Am I right? And then, of course, George Michael goes, I'm dating Rebel Alley. <laughs> I like how Michael goes, mm-hmm. oh, that would be weird. And then she goes, oh, but his name is George Maharis. And then, of course, he goes, that's me. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like how this is like for a season that's be that had, you know, that had a Fantastic Four musical in it. And, you know, has had the, the real housewives of the orange prison system and various other kind of really kind of big um, kind of set piece jokes in it. They finish mm. with this really kind of small thing. Personal. Where, yeah, very yeah. dramatic. Yeah. Where, where Michael says, um, you know, he, he reveals it when he says, are we not like twins all the way down to the photo booth? And then, mm. of course, this is where That's the, the George give, Michael yeah. realizes. Um, and then, of course, I like when, when he goes, you know, he goes, I... He, 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 uh, the narrator goes ironically he could have told the truth and said he'd forget to forget me now like the victim <laughs> of a roofie circle having taken one the only memory he had lost uh, was I having was taken it <laughs> so instead he doubled down and then he goes yeah. it's like we're identical twins and then George Michael just punches him uh, clean in the face <laughs> mm-hmm. and they kind of hang on that for a few seconds before they, they fade to white and uh, and that's the end of the episode what a great moment I mean and the thing is it like you know, obviously, that you know, having Michael Sarah being older than he actually was when the show finished, and you know, obviously, it's it's kind of obvious that he's not the same age as he was, you know, five yeah. years earlier. So they've kind of lent into the fact that he's grown up, and that has been kind of the centerpiece of the George Michael episodes is the fact that he he isn't a kid anymore, and he has grown up, and he's trying to stand up to his father. Obviously, we ended up with like a very kind of you know roundabout way that he managed to throw his father out the dorms with the vote in and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, there yeah. have been kind of very kind of bluth type schemes that have kind of gone throughout the season. But I do like that it just basically finishes with George Michael punching Michael. And that's the end of like this this season. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you were binging it like the day it came out, you know, as a lot of people did, you'd probably get to this moment and be like, wait there, that's the end? This is like, yeah, like, this yeah. is this is the end of this show? What's what's going on? It's interesting to me because this show is like almost built around like Michael being better than a lot of his, his family members and everything. But this yeah. episode really kind of made me think, oh, well, maybe he is just an asshole. Well, this whole season's pretty much or... been the, the construction of Michael showing him that he really yeah, isn't yeah. as better uh, than the family than he thinks he is. And that's something that I, I've when I've run through uh, the, the, the previous seasons and looked at it and looked at this season more i just see it more and more in that like george uh, sorry michael is is self-serving a lot of the time and just just kind of wants what he wants 
forces his son into situations that that he wants him to be like this and everything so i like that george michael is getting some agency of his own and even though he does fall into being more bluthy he is kind of standing up to his father more and i mean the irony being of course throughout the entire episode he just keeps lying and lying and lying yeah oh yeah starting from starting from the end of the previous episode with the you know the the kind of the traffic jam thing all the way through to every single thing he says to rebel alley is pretty much a lie like he, mm-hmm. he's never honest with her at all. Uh, whereas at least Michael is like he's honest with Rebel Ellie, but he keeps lying to his son. Um, so like in this in this kind of love triangle, you have at least one person lying to somebody else, um, apart from Rebel Ellie, who is you know honest with everybody uh, almost to a fault, you know. And uh, the the kind of the song that plays as we hit the credits is called Boomerang, and it's written by the daughter of the composer of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And all the other Arrested Development episodes, and her name is Lucy Schwartz. Um, okay. She is the daughter of David Schwartz, who you know wrote a number of great songs. You know, in particular, "Balls in the Air," uh, which obviously <laughs> is the is the song that George Michael hoped to audition uh, for Juilliard with. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the the problem of uh, everything else being louder than a woodblock um, then obviously <laughs> took us in the direction of fake block, mm-hmm. and that plays for you know about thirty seconds before we then get the on the next. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, this I forgot is about this part. Job gets a call from Lucille, um, announcing that Lucille too has disappeared, and he's going to have to step up and be president of president. the Ruth company. <laughs> and so wait, I forget in, in the in the original three seasons was uh, Job ever president? I yes, think it was once. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mr. President. Now I'm just a resident. Yeah. Uh, well, no, we just say president. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So um, yeah, don't remember the whole thing with Legoland and. All that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff, yeah. and yeah, so he did. He was president, but obviously just in name, you know, because Michael was still the one running things. But yes, this is kind of yes. him having to step up, and this is where we get, you know, our only occurrence of Tony Wonder really in the episode because we see his legs um, when when we get the flashback to the episode. Where, I see, I see, yeah, where where Joe and uh, and Tony Wonder were discovered, and obviously, <laughs> um, this is where um, Joe hasn't taken a forget me now so he has not forgotten the sex that he had with tony wonder mm-hmm. but um, tony has hasn't he? and tony has taken a forget yeah because <laughs> he says are we still on for our sex date tonight um, yeah and then we just see job looking in the mirror now i thought we were going to get one more you know hello darkness my old friend but we don't yeah uh we just get him kind of wiping the uh the shaving cream from his chin uh, and then we <laughs> we cut to the inside of the penthouse um and um, <laughs> and the narrator tells us, and then this happens. And we have Officer Taylor arresting Buster. I mean, actually, we're in Lucille 2's penthouse, I think, because there's a Lucille 2 dummy uh, that mm-hmm. is in the chair. Um, and Officer Taylor is arresting him for the murder of Lucille Ostero. And this is essentially the furthest ahead that the show has gone, uh, apart yeah. from a couple of scenes with... Um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Sally Sitwell and Lindsay agreeing to take over the the, the, the opposing campaigns, uh, which I feel is something that will f- will form the backbone of season five. And then I like how um, Buster protests, "I'm not a monster," because obviously he has his big hand. Um, and yes, that is yes, causing some issues. Um, and then <laughs> after Buster is led away, we see outside the building, we see John Beard saying, "The infamous Blue Family is at it again." this time facing murder charges. And we see mm-hmm. a picture of the uh, iNews. Um, and it says Bustard Bluth, but there's like the R is hidden inside a, a parentheses. Um, and it says, it says Arraigned Development. 
And I like that it says at the bottom, Ron, don't forget that you have a dermatologist appointment at two. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Which is which is scrolling along the bottom because obviously this is entered. This is not. This is not like um, Fox News. This is Imagine News. Um, and Brian Grazer comes in and he says, "Is this the family you've been talking about?" And he says, "It sure is." And uh, he says, "Have you got the rights?" And he goes, "Well, only for the killer, but that's enough to get us a green light, right?" And then, of course, he says, absolutely, it's our next Da Vinci Code. And Ron Howard and Brian Grazer hug. And, yeah. um, you know, they say it's going to put Imagine News on the map. And then John Beard is the last person to speak in this season as he says, this is John Beard. Remember, love each other. <laughs> love each other. Yeah. And that's, and that's um, the end Yeah, of the I, I really love this last scene with uh, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. <laughs> I love anything that's kind of them making fun of themselves. Uh, I love the the part from The Simpsons where Ron Howard is talking about a talking pie and everything. But uh, yeah, I love him here talking about Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I would have loved if they'd had that hug and a bit of freeze frame and it would have played these days. Where have. Like if that, that had be been great. the like kind of the, the like take. I mean, obviously The Simpsons have already done that gag, but I feel like mm-hmm. just doing that gag again would have made me laugh a lot more. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny end because obviously then we immediately get the Imagine logo comes up <laughs> straight away. So, so, so it's almost like, like so meta because all the credits have gone before. So all that's left mm-hmm. are production logos. So it's like you know, Imagine News, and then straight away to the Imagine Entertainment logo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, there's one thing that I ha- I didn't mention from this episode, and that is Lem when he decides to get in the pool, um, and <laughs> he gets in the pool, and as George Michael says, there are hundreds of guys out there, so he'd be completely safe. And obviously the narrator says, well, those hunters guys are why he wouldn't be safe. <laughs> and, yeah. And as he dives in the pool, you see all these guys are around the pool. And then he goes under the water. And as he comes back up, literally everyone has gone. And the bouncy castle is just starting to deflate. <laughs> that, that is and a it, great shot of falling behind so funny. him. He jumps into the pool. There are people outside. And then when he comes up. Nobody. That's 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 great. And it's worth noting as well. I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but obviously, uh, so obviously you have Mitch Hurwitz is a director and Troy Miller is a director. Now, Troy Miller is actually um, he's a cameraman, and um, in particular, he's a, a cameraman known for his use of Steadicam, and mm. and mm. so the strength that he had, uh, you know, this season is that um, he he was the one who basically. Um, you know, he he did all the steady cam work in this season. So that long shot of Lem running outside, jumping into the pool, and then going under the water, and then coming back up, and then everyone vanished. <laughs> um, that's the kind of shot that Troy Miller like would have executed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, there's actually a funny little behind the scenes thing where you see Mitch Hurwitz try to hold a steady cam, and he basically <laughs> almost like falls over because it's so heavy. And yeah. you know, obviously, steady cams—they are—they're like they're they're held on with a harness, and they mm. are like they are they are gigantic. And you know, to actually operate them while you know moving around takes like a certain amount of skill. Um, and you know, so the fact that Troy Miller kind of brings that to this season, I think, something that I haven't really touched upon. But you know, the the one fear that I had, um, and this is something that happens with shows that kind of get cancelled and resurrected, which you know mm. it didn't happen that much, but it seems to be more of a uh, a feature these days of television of uh, yeah. resurrecting old shows is you feel it feels like the you know maybe that the new episodes won't look and feel like the old episodes now obviously twin peaks the new episodes did not look or feel anything like the old episodes because the old episodes were done 
you know, like a network drama, and the new episodes were done completely differently. But with this, the the season four episodes don't feel like completely different from the seasons one, two, or three. You know, they have the mm. same feel, and I, I think that Troy Miller being you know on board as a co-director really helped with that because he was able to kind of work with Mitch Hurwitz to preserve kind of the look and feel of the original show with yeah. you know this this kind of new show. Um, mm-hmm. you know like essentially I'd say if there's anything it's the editing because of the the kind of longer episodes and kind of uh, yeah keep keeping on jokes for longer and everything so yeah I really enjoyed this episode and I think that obviously you know um, it ties up a lot of kind of loose ends but also it leaves enough that if they do come back for season five which obviously you know um, you know they're now currently they shooting to, or, yeah. yeah then I think it leaves a few things open so that we can come back um, mm-hmm. And uh, and you know continue with some of the the storylines. Um, obviously, you know the election, uh, missing Herbert Love and and Lucille too, and with their their replacements um, being uh, Sally Sitwell and, and Lindsay Bluth. That feels like that's going to be an important storyline. But obviously, Buster's upcoming trial, I feel, is going <laughs> to be a fairly important storyline. And yeah. then it'll, it'll be fun to see how um, George Michael and uh, Michael, you know, and how that kind of resolves itself. What are your your thoughts on this particular episode, Andrew, of uh, Arrested Development? I love it. It's hilarious. Arrested Development's the best. This season is massively underrated. People did not get it when it came out, and they still don't get it. I, I tend to agree with what Andrew said. Uh, I think the season tends to be slow at times because of the longer episode run times, uh, and some of the jokes don't hit as hard as I wish they would. But I think overall they did a good job of capturing the the same style of comedy that the original series used, and obviously all of the actors who came back for their roles are, are great in their roles. Um, it, it's definitely heartening that they're going to have those actors in the same scenes with each other uh, in the next season. I think that's, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of confirmed. So that that that's real nice. But I think what they did with this season is really interesting, and when you view it more as a whole, kind of cut up and rearranged. Uh, into into different segments it's definitely an interesting way to tell a story and they make the most out of that format so yeah i really love love the the season as a whole uh maybe not as much as the first three but still it's still pretty high quality i think okay well i feel like we've adequately summed up uh, what happened in this episode so uh let's Mm -hmm. go to plugs Uh, i'm going to start with eric is anything you wish to plug yeah my twitter is at capital e underscore h-a-r-z at 1138 so follow me on there and do you have a podcast that you're doing Eric? oh yeah i I, <laughs> I do have a podcast actually it's called topic tbd podcast uh find us on itunes uh we just talk about uh geek shit you know and uh, andrew do you have anything you wish to plug talking about turtle your one-stop shop fraud trash slop it's a radio drama Everybody podcast l- listen yeah listen to talking about Turtle. eric please. has appeared on it and uh one line yeah i think his line was does the milk baby even pay taxes? Okay, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at a huge mistake pod, or you can find us on Facebook at Huge Mistake Podcast. Uh, thanks once more for being my guests here, Andrew and Eric. Yeah. Hope to cover the new episodes. Yeah. And otherwise, goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.